Hi everyone and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name's Emma Bellardi, I'm a content marketer here at PMA. This episode is brought to you by behavior analytics tool Hotjar. If you don't understand how people are using your site or product, you're leaving money on the table. But let's be honest, traditional analytics alone won't show you the full picture. Hotjar lets you see how people truly experience your site or product and gives your users a voice. Let real users show and tell you which changes your team should make to improve user experience. Eliminate the guesswork. Use Hotjar to understand how users experience and interact with your product so you can make the changes that matter most. Try Hotjar for free today at www.hotjar.com alliance. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. And in this episode, we're joined by Tom Girdler. We'll be discussing use cases. Tom's a senior product marketer at Precisely, a global tech product marketing professional with a passion for creating the right message to the right audience at the right time, and we're thrilled to have him with us. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Thanks very much, Emma. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Precisely? Sure, absolutely. So, um, well, first and foremost, I am a husband and father to a, a six-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl. Um, I love the great outdoors and uh, I kid myself and my family that I'm uh, some kind of chef. Um, <laughs> well, I, at least I think I am, I'm not sure the kids do. Um, in terms of product marketing, so I've, I've worked my way around various marketing and product management roles, both on the, the agency side and client side. Um, and eventually I settled on product marketing. I kind of fell into it um, rather than being uh, led to it by design. And someone recommended me for a role. Um, and I like the way um, that's central to the, the product marketing role. Um, yeah, it's really understanding the market, conversing with lots of stakeholders, you know, orchestrating across lots of different teams and, and crafting stories and really seeing the engagement and getting results from those stories is, is what excites me. Um, so I spent, I spent time in the automotive um, industry, charity and tech industries. And, and tech is, is really where I found my interest. And that, that brings me up to today where I'm a senior product marketing uh, manager for Precisely. So we're a software and data company and we help organizations gain accuracy, consistency and context from their data. And my role there is, is really a full stack PMM role. Um, and I look after a, a set of products around um, what we call location intelligence capabilities. And also uh, I look after some industry programs. Awesome. So we're going to be talking a little bit about use cases today. So for anyone who doesn't know, could you explain what a use case is? Absolutely. So the use case, that wonderful term <laughs> that we, we all like to refer to, especially those of us in, in tech companies, you know, it, it really is a term which is used to describe a specific situation in which a product or, or service could be used. It's intrinsically linked to the problem um, you're looking to solve. But there, there are really two types of use cases. I think it's important to mention, especially for those folk from a more technical and product development side, you know, there are those use cases that businesses, business analysts write to articulate feature and function developments um, that are then passed off to, to engineering teams to, to create within product. And the other side is used to identify the customer problem at a more macro level and importantly, how your product or service overcomes that problem. And this is the marketing led side. So the use case in this essence is such a powerful tool as it enables you to be truly market orientated in your product stories and messaging. So given people buy the same product 
for different reasons. Use cases can vary, right, depending on, on specific circumstances. Um, I was just thinking about this earlier. There, there are loads of examples, but something that came to mind for me, because um, my wife actually just bought some, um, were, were Dr. Martin boots. Um, so on one hand, Dr. Martin boots are, are a workman's boot and they're, they're anchored in that tradition. But on the other hand, they've become a hugely popular fashion, fashion icon, really. So, you know, different uses and same product. I think that's an important, important aspect to mention. Okay, so can you um, talk us through some of the benefits of use cases that you've seen in the product marketing and sales domain? Sure, so, so linked to, to the last question really, Emma, you know, use, use cases help your business articulate where you provide value. Yeah. and help customers arrive at the right solution for their problem. So when they're taken to market effectively, they can shorten the sales cycle, they can increase the opportunity for conversion. And you know, a well-defined use case anchored in the evidence that you can deliver on it is a powerful tool, which will mm -hmm. direct customers to your product. From that perspective, it's critical to the go-to-market activity of both marketing and sales teams. And I also think it's important to mention here again that you know, not everyone uses a product for exactly the same reason. So use case definition enables you to articulate you know, these different ways of using your product and, and nurture customers along the buyer journey um, through personalization of messaging aligned to that use case. So helping people arrive at the way, at the right um, way of, of utilizing your product. So how do you make sure that your teams are aligned and everyone's sort of on the same page when it comes to use cases? Yeah, that's a, a great question. It's, it's so critical, right? If we're, if we're to enable the organization well and take a consistent story to market. So picking up on that, that word alignment, you know, firstly, mm -hmm. it's important that, um, that the use case development is anchored in the culture of your organization. So markets and, and products move quickly. How we use um, and interact with products change over time. Mm -hmm. And the problems and the use cases change around products. I mean, that, again, that, that Doc Martin's uh, yeah. uh, uh, example, you know, they, they weren't a, a cool, trendy fashion item at, at one moment in time. You know, they were more of a functional, a functional boot yeah. um, for, um, for, for work, people in the, in, in the workplace. Now, whether we're, we're buying a type of shoe, um, or, or, or piece of software, it's critical that organizations are reviewing and evaluating use cases with customers. So ensuring there's a recognized value of use cases means that it's so much easier to align around use case um, and, and really get teams behind it and enable them because they understand the value. They understand what can be achieved through a well-articulated use case. So how often should you be building use cases as a product marketer? <laughs> Well, I, I wish I could tell you there was a set formula on when to build a use case, but um, I guess in, in a similar um, way to the question of how often should, should messaging be updated, which is, is something that, that I was asked about recently. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah. It depends on the customer and market dynamics, you know, how their behavior, how the market customer behavior pains and needs are evolving. And also, um, I think it, it depends on the level of innovation around use cases. You know, some use cases um, may be to, to fix problems that customers didn't realize they had until a company created the use case. And people are like, yep, that's me. Mm -hmm. it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, you think about the, the, the telco industry, um, it makes me think about 5G. 
you know, even 4G. You know, I remember the days of being absolutely delighted with my 3G <laughs> handset. You know, it's the best thing ever. I could go on the internet from my phone. Wow, when you know, what else would I ever need to do for my phone? Right. Um, but you know, now now we're being we're, we're being told um, that that we're going to need 5G. I'm like, well, 4G is great. I've got video calling on that. Um, but you know, despite right now that not being a realistic need to most people on the street, we're we're being given that messaging by you know, these mobile network operators. And I'm sure eventually we'll all say, yeah, we needed that. We absolutely yeah. needed to, to run these applications um, that could only be run in, in a 5G context. So yeah, even in those scenarios, you know, user testing, research and focus groups are heavily um, leaned into to get to the heart of the customer propensity um, mm -hmm. to, to use, use these technologies. So in, in essence, there, there, there's no hard and fast rule on how often. It comes down to knowing your market and knowing your level of use case innovation and fundamentally being ready to react and ready to create. Sure. So do you have any tips for creating effective use cases? Sure. For, for, for me, there, there are really three stages here um, in terms of use case creation. You, know, you need to first identify the use case, validate the use case, and then create it. So identifying the use case starts with with understanding the problem, the pain of the customer. Mm -hmm. Then there's a need to establish the the opportunity through scoping the you know the addressable market. You know how you know, how much opportunity is there within the market, and and then looking at the you know, competitive environment as well. Then we need to understand who we're targeting through um, segmentation and persona identification. But you know, how, do we, how do we quantify the opportunity? You know, understanding the, the revenue opportunity and the goals up front is, is absolutely critical in terms mm -hmm. of use case, use case creation. You know, in, in my experience, ensuring this is identified from the offset can enable you to unlock support and create focus. So unlock support, unlock resources from your organization. If you can say, you know, we, we know that this use case has this opportunity, then you know you're going to be able to rally the teams across the organization behind you. Um, yeah. So it's so important you've got that, that value identified. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, a clear and succinct articulation of the use case is key. So then you know, moving on to, 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 to the validate stage, um, you know, I, I mentioned there's kind of these, these, these three stages. Next, validate. This is where we begin to socialize and refine a use case. To do this, it's important to engage a selection of sellers um, from across the core seller groups, including a selection of SMEs. This, this enables great insight, but also the, the early inclusion of sales, again, in my experience, really helps provide them with a sense of ownership before the use case has even gone to market. They've bought into it. They're on the journey. They're part of the team. Yeah. yeah next, next, exposing to the, the customer through customer focus groups or interviews, it helps build that true market orientation. And then following on from that, you know, speaking to market analysts in this space is always so valuable. Um, you know, after all, these, these guys are often advising the market, these, these, these analysts, you know, advising customers. So again, this helps back that market orientated perspective, which is, is so key um, when we're looking to create a, an effective use case. So we, we've identified, we've validated. So now onto that, that third and final stage for me, which is really around creation. Um, and th this is where we build the market facing messaging, um, which is, is a critical task for, for activating sellers. 
and the market. You know, it takes it takes time to spin that uh, that Rubik's cube of messaging, as, as we refer to, to refine and and to validate. Then aligned to that, um, I suggest a, a content gap analysis is always a, a great thing to perform. You know, reviewing where there are content needs across mm -hmm. the buyer journey, and and also actually the the enablement journey. Um, and then finally, you know, allowing the, the right market facing and enablement content to be created. Those, those, those are my, my three, three tips around use case creation. <laughs> They're great tips, thank you very much. Um, so once a use case is created, can you offer like any thoughts or advice on how best to activate the sales team on it? Yeah, so, there, there, so we went from three, three now we're gonna to go to two. There, there, are, there are two areas to pick on <laughs> here for me. Um, you know, enable the, the use case and institutionalize the use case. Um, you know, firstly, the, the enablement aspect. So in order to um, execute on effective enablement, we, we need to be clear about who the audience is, you know, just mm -hmm. like we do when we're going to, to market. You know, understanding the different sales personas here will support more personalized learning journeys. You know, for, for example, if, um, if I'm a, an account development executive, yeah, I'm, I'm likely to be more interested in making sure I have a strong sales choreography, mm -hmm. which is aligned to the objective of my, my, call, my outbound calling campaign. But um, yeah, equally, if I'm a solution engineer, I'm going to want to understand how to tell the story through aligned demos. Mm -hmm. So you know, following on, you know, three key topics um, we want to cover in our, in our enablement, enablement journey um, would be you know, the opportunity um, and the, the narrative. You know, what is the use case story to the customer? And the content, you know, what content is available to take to market? Then who am I taking this story to? You know, who are the target market, the personas, and what is a competitive backdrop? And then finally, you know, what tactics would be used to deliver enablement? A, for example, anchor enablement sessions, um, or, you know, webinars to introduce the use case, mm -hmm. um, email drips after enablement sessions, um, drawing out the highlights. It sounds so simple, but, but so very effective in my experience. Sellers, you know, <laughs> let's hope they're listening to, to the whole <laughs> enablement session, but some of them won't be, and some of them will, will want that follow-up. And so it's really yeah. important we do follow up and, and, and tease out those kind of high-level takeaways. Yeah, also personalized journeys, um, learning journeys, which acknowledge different levels of knowledge uh, or sellers. Um, it's really important because mm -hmm. not everybody's in the same space um, uh, in terms of the job they do, but also their, their level of knowledge. Um, and finally, um, this might, might sound like an old one, but one that came to mind for me was um, competitions. You know, for example, mm -hmm. um, and we, we've done this, I've done this in the last couple of organizations, you know, uh, introduce a sales choreography competition. Yeah, maybe your organization uses a, a sales methodology like, mm -hmm. like the challenger um, framework. Yeah, this, this could be a, a fun opportunity for sellers to record themselves performing a choreography of mm -hmm. yeah, how, they would, how they would approach a, a, a prospect and tell a story, tell a story around this use case and ultimately compete um, then for a prize. So, so next, you've covered off that enablement stage. Next, I think this, this is easily forgotten about um, and I know I have been guilty of this in the past, but it's so important for us to try to remember um, this word institutionalize, um, institutionalize the use case. 
So how do we really get this ingrained in our team? So this yeah. is critical. You know, it's not a one drop and run scenario with a use case um, and enabling it. It has to, it has to continue. So I saw some recent um, research actually by, by HubSpot and they, they say, stated that 87% of new skills are lost within a month of sales training. Wow. Um, and that's just um, scary, especially for any of us who are involved in, in trying to help sellers uh, understand <laughs> yeah, use cases. Absolutely. The fact is yeah, people forget, we, we all forget, right? Um, but how can we keep in the mind share of, of sellers? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we can, we can have ongoing refresher sessions where we draw on win-loss stories to keep that drumbeat of communication going. You know, we can make sure that, that we, we have messaging and content integrated across the buyer journey and fundamentally make sure content is accessible on an ongoing basis. You know, a, another stat to throw, throw in here that, that always really amazes me um, is, is one from Serious Decisions. And they estimate that anywhere between 60% to 70% of B2B companies' content goes untouched. Wow. 60 to 70% of a B2B company's content goes untouched. <laughs> I mean, that that's, again, frightening for, for, for us product marketers out there. Again, just... It's just, a depressing um, statistic. <laughs> it, is a, it is a depressing statistic, um, but it clearly shows we, we've got work to do in terms Absolutely. of uh, getting this content into the hands of sellers and, and fundamentally getting them engaged. Um, so, so we really need to serve content in, a, in an intuitive way that is also integrated into sales tools you know, like Outlook and Salesforce. So this, this makes that content really accessible. There are no, no excuses uh, <laughs> for the sales team. Um, but yeah, it also helps to provide context on, on when the content should be used in, that, in the buyer journey. Um, yeah, and we can help our, our sellers understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, of course, ensuring the team are aware of field marketing initiatives, this is also important. Um, it's really important. So, so they, they can then help to amplify these with the market. And that's really, really worthwhile. And again, just continues um, to, to encourage the sellers to take this use case, this story to market. Um, and finally, a, a great way to carry on the conversation is, is very simply by having use case focused channels in Slack or in Teams, yeah. you know, where, where people, can, um, people can refine and comment and provide feedback. Um, and, and ultimately uh, help help each other. So I think that's that's important. Excellent. So we normally like to kind of wrap the show up with some sort of tips or advice, but this has been such an actionable episode. I, I think we've got so much out of this, um, but I'm going to ask my final question anyway. Uh, so can you offer any sort of guidance or tips on how to measure the value of a use case? Sure. I, you know... <laughs> I arguably this is the most important aspect, right? Um, if we if we can't yeah, if we go to all this great work around you know uh, enabling an organisation on, on a use case, if we can't measure the impact, and it's it's uh, it's not a great place to be. Um, yeah. So you know how can we measure this success? Well, you know some some quick, quick examples. We could we we can look at engagement levels on on the different uh, pieces of content activity where we've executed on, you know, whether that be webinars and courses um, and, and the various as I say, pieces of content. But, but more importantly, you know, what is the impact on the business performance? You know, we could create a use case metrics dashboard which shows performance against KPIs, mm-hmm. um, you know, such as marketing source pipeline and revenue, you know, the, the usual suspects. Um, but also we could get content metrics built into that as well. But yeah, as part of that, we 
we can carry out review sessions, you know, looking at this dashboard um, as, as cross-functional teams. But, but clearly understanding what is driving performance you know, it, it isn't purely based on reviewing metrics. You know, we need to be having holistic conversations with the cross-functional team, you know, such as in knowledge sharing groups. And perhaps there is content which isn't landing well. Perhaps there is, is new you know, competitive messaging, which is gaining more mind share. So we need to be having these conversations with, with the sales and marketing teams. Yeah, and, and finally, you know, of course, the, the journey is never over. You know, much like, um, much like uh, you know, our messaging initiatives, you know, when it comes to um, articulating use cases and identifying use case opportunities, you know, we need to be continually listening to the market and optimizing the use cases mm -hmm. uh, to, to create the use cases of tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Emma. And I'll just say, um, if anybody's out there who'd love to carry on the conversation, who has any thoughts um, or can add any more insight to, to what we've spoken about today, I'd, I'd love to, to hear from you too. Please feel free to look me up on LinkedIn. Um, great to get your thoughts. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Take care, Tom. Thanks, Emma. All the best. For everyone still tuned in, Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.